Good morning. Thanks for tuning in here with us at Freedom Fellowship. Um, actually, you're at home and I'm here. Let me tell you what, times are strange right now. Uh, we are experiencing, um, at least in our lifetime, uh, something like we've never known. Um, but the thing that's really neat, guys, is I feel privileged to be a part of this, even though uh, I find myself discouraged at times and going through uh, just a lot of unknowns that can be overwhelming, a lot of change. And of course, we don't like change, do we? Um, but I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage myself, my soul. Uh, we get to hope in God and it's okay to be discouraged in life, but not to stay discouraged. I don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. Um, but what do we do when our souls are cast down? Well, we get to cry out to God. And I think one of the neatest things and privileges we have is to go before our maker, our God, boldly before his throne of grace in time of need um, and to ask of him. He is right there. And there's nothing better than being in his presence. So before we go any further this morning into all that we would have for our worship service today, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are, what you do, what you've done, what you're going to do. And thank you for this time right here, right now, that we can come before you. And I would pray as we turn to you today that your spirit would bring refreshing to my brothers and sisters. There's nothing like being in your presence, God. And we are so thankful that you are alive, that you've promised to draw near those who will draw near to you. And that's our desire today, God. We don't want to go through some motions because this is what we have to do. It is a privilege and honor to be able to look to you to glorify, to exalt you, to worship you, to glorify you because you alone are God and you are good. Father, we are so thankful for your compassion towards us, your mercy and your grace that finds us, God. Even though we're a messy people, Lord, your grace is there and it gets messy, but that's how you work and we're so thankful. I pray today that you would encourage us as we're looking to you. We pray that our worship would honor you and glorify you, Lord. We know that you look at the heart. And we do pray, Father, that you would do a lot of heart business today because we know that the issues of this life, they go deep, God, and you're there and you want to work and meet us in all that stuff. And we're so thankful for that. So we're looking to you, Jesus. We thank you so much for just who you are and what you have for us this morning. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I thought about doing something I haven't done in a long time. It's been close to a decade since I've led some worship uh, with a guitar in hand with my church family. Um, and as I thought about it, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Um, so I'm going to put the guitar down because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we don't actually need instruments to worship the Lord. Uh, we get to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he's asked of us. And I am so thankful for brothers and sisters who have a gift when uh, it comes to an instrument that they're able to 
play it and lead others in worship through song. That is wonderful and beautiful. But this morning, I want to consider with you guys um, just coming before God in a way of being still, of pausing, of really meditating upon who he is. Because that's what worship is. And that's what we do when we sing songs. And hopefully we're singing praise songs that are glorifying in the way of we are looking to you, God. We are acknowledging who you are, your attributes, your greatness. We are in awe of who you are and we are worshiping because you alone are worthy, worthy, worthy. And because you are holy, 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 we're going to sing praises to you. We are going to turn our hearts to you. And I think it's so neat when we come to the scriptures and I, I've seen it over and over again where the word of God meets us in whatever season we're in, in a very unique week, well, in a unique way. And you might ask, how is that possible? Why does the word of God do that? Because the word of God is living and it's powerful. It's supernatural. God has revealed himself to us uh, through it. Yeah, we can look at creation and know there's a creator, but that leaves us with a whole lot of questions. And isn't it so cool that we have the privilege to get to know who he is, what he's about, and even reading about the life of Christ. I mean, God came to earth. You want to know what God is like? Man, read the Gospels. We get to know the heart of Jesus, of our God, what he cared about, how he related to others, how he loved others. And one of the things that I find in many seasons in life is just how beautiful the Psalms are. And I don't know if you guys know this, but all the Psalms were uh, written to be used in a way of worship or praising God. And I want to consider with you guys uh, just a few of uh, the places we find in the Psalms where this little word Selah shows up. And I don't know if you guys have studied or know this or not, but when you find those in the Psalms, and there's many of them, we have 74 times that we find that word Selah in the Old Testament, um, 71 in the Psalms and three in the book of Habakkuk, but it's a Hebrew word for pause. And a lot of the uh, commentators out there uh, believe that when that word comes up in the Psalms, it is a place for us to stop, to pause, and to reflect on what was just declared or said. Meditate upon that. And some people think that it's a pause for instruments to be played as you meditate or reflect, pause on those thoughts. So I want to share a few with you this morning. The first one is in Psalm 44, verse 8. And this is an opportunity here for us to pause and to remember, okay, that our praise to God, it can be confident because he is God. Look, it says, in God, we boast all day long, and we praise your name forever. Selah. And then another one that we find in Psalm 46, verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Pause for a moment. What does that mean? 
What comes to your mind when you think about that scripture? Well, it tells us there, the Lord of hosts is with us. Do you know that God will never leave you or forsake you? Do you guys know that God is our refuge? Man, we have assurance here of God's presence. That's beautiful. And then we also can pause and find our shelter in him. Look at Psalm 32, 7 here. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. I think for many of us guys, it's a Selah season. God's asked us, he's forced us to pause, to be still, to know that he is God. And I think often that is when he's most glorified, guys, is when we stop the crazy, the busyness. We pause. We find ourselves still before our God. And we recognize him for who he is. And we try to take in the fullness of that. And we need, guys, this Selah season in our lives. Not just because of the coronavirus. It's forcing some of us to slow down. No, this needs to be habitual in the life of the Christian. I want to look at another one with you guys here in Psalm 39, verse 4, 5, and 6. Lord, make me to know my end and what is my measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as a hand breaths and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. Say la. Man, our lives, guys, but a vapor. We know that James said the same thing. Our life is but a vapor. Gone. That's how quick it goes. And some of you are like, yeah, amen. So what matters in this life if it's going by that quick? The only thing that matters, guys, is what we do with Jesus Christ, who he is. Man, do we think about that? Do we pause? Do we reprioritize that reality in our lives? And that's why these things in the scriptures, and I would encourage you, spend some time. Grab a Strong's Concordance, go online, find all the Selahs in the Bible. Take some time to pause and think through what God has declared there, what he wants us to meditate on, to pause, to think through. Another one that we find is we can pause and know that we can have unshakable confidence. We see in Psalm 46, and I love the whole psalm, tells us in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. So, do you find yourself worshiping God? I sure do. 
when I spend time in the scriptures. It's so cool, guys, because that's when my heart really turns to worship. That's why when we worship together corporately through song, I love the songs that are declaring truths that we see in the word of God. I love songs that are just scripture. Uh, because let me tell you what, we can come up with our own ideas and words to try to uh, just attribute to who God is and what he's like, and that's good. But I think it's so cool when we have his word um, and how he has chosen to reveal himself. And we come alongside those truths and we are able to declare and think and pause and meditate upon those things. And sometimes when we are worshiping together, uh, I, I have brothers and sisters who don't sing, you know, and I, I think sometimes like, hey, are, are they worshiping? I don't know. You know, I'm hoping that they're just really taking in what's being, you know, sung, that there's a pause there, a meditation happening in their heart and that they're in awe of God. Um, so did I share this one with you guys? Psalm 49, I don't think so. Uh, this will be our last one here. Uh, we get to, to pause here to consider the assurance of our resurrection. And again, that is our, our hope, okay? Because he lives, we're going to live. And in Psalm 49, verse 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. And guys, think about that, okay? And I encourage you guys, again, keep going on your own, okay? Uh, check out the different Selahs. Take some time to pause. Um, and there's no better place, you know, to take a pause than before God and think upon Him. Um, meditate on these Selahs and the Psalms. They are good. And that's one thing I do love about the Scriptures is we can worship. You may be like me. You're not the greatest uh, or gifted person when it comes to playing an instrument, uh, but you don't need to be able to play an instrument to worship the Lord. Um, he wants us to sing to him a new song, and there are times, guys, when I've met with God, I've been in his word, that he's just stirred me up in such a way uh, that my heart does have a new song within it, and it's just fun to start singing. I don't even sing that well, but... Uh, I know that our Heavenly Father sure loves hearing from us and he doesn't care how we sound. So I just want to encourage you guys, worship God well. He is definitely worthy um, and it is good for us to be in awe of him. And that's one thing I've been finding as we've been going through the uh, study here together in the book of Revelation, which you can grab your Bible at this time and open up to chapter 8. Um <clears throat> We should consider Jesus. Okay, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is. And we can be in awe of who he is, how merciful he is, how gracious he is, how he desires none to perish. And even though these judgments of his, his wrath being poured out upon the earth, they are just. And we're going to see today the mercy it is measured as God reveals his just judgments here in chapter 8 and it really does bring you into that place of how perfect God is how his ways are so much better than ours so much higher than ours how much wiser 
he is than we are. So backtracking just a little bit with you guys, we've seen this vision given to the apostle John there on the island of Patmos. Uh, we, refer, we, refer, we refer to him as the revelator. Um, we've also seen a uh, heavenly scene there in chapters 4 and 5. Uh, the scroll then was taken by Jesus, the lion and the lamb. And he's the one who can break its seal or open the seals. And then uh, the seals were being opened there in chapter 6. And we got through and now we're into chapter 8 and the last seal here. The seventh is being opened, which opens up now. It goes into the rest of the book of Revelation. These trumpet judgments that we're going to find in chapters 8 and 9 um, are going to be laid before us. But it's progressive here. And really quick, before we jump into that, um, I want to take a look back a little bit at last week's study that we looked at uh, the 12 tribes of Israel that were laid out in chapter 7 there, the 144,000 Jews. And last week, our brother Armand asked uh, for the references that I gave concerning, because we see Joseph mentioned there, and Dan and Ephraim were not. So, um, Armin, this is for you, brother. You can take a picture real quick of your screen. Um, I'm going to throw out the cross-references. I'm not going to go through them again. But there they are in the yellow block for you guys. But I do want to consider this, and I forgot to mention it last week. Um, Dan's not mentioned there, but we found in Genesis 35 the first mention of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then in Ezekiel 48, this is the end of the age, we find the exact same list uh, given there. Um, and Dan is actually in the early part of Ezekiel 48, the first three verses, even though Dan uh, blew it, idolatry, okay? Now he's few in number. Um, he's not even mentioned as a part of the 144,000. We know when Christ returns that Dan is the tribe that is allotted first there, okay? Mentioned first. Isn't that the mercy of our God, the grace of our God? Hey, you blew it. You messed up bad. You reap the consequences of it. But I still love you, okay? I have not forsaken you. And I'm going to bless you first. That's just our God. So I want to consider with you guys... Um, just in light of God's mercy, in light of Revelation 7 here, um, I didn't hit on this last week either, but I had here in my Bible, will the 444,000 Jews preach throughout the world during the tribulation? I grew up in a church where the pastor loved to teach the book of Revelation. It was like every year we were having another study in the book of Revelation uh, even us going through Revelation, again, we did this as a fellowship already. Um, and you can find older studies. Again, guys, what we're going through now, um, I'm not repeating the same stuff. Yeah, the scriptures are the same, but I'm trying to hit on some new things, highlight some new things uh, for you guys. Uh, but when it comes to the 144,000, I heard over and over again how they were going to be like little Billy Grahams, evangelists, and they were going to go out through the entire world, evangelizing the entire world. And it's one of those things, I've never found the scripture that actually says that. 
Um, and I hear many uh, preachers of God's word hold to that. And I was very appreciative because last week I was listening to a sermon by a guy I really respect, probably my favorite Bible teacher uh, when it comes to the book of Revelation. And he holds to that same view. But I loved it because he was honest enough to say, this is just my theory. The Bible doesn't actually say it. And I was so relieved because I'm just thinking like, hey, am I missing something here? Okay, because I don't see the scripture that actually says that they're going to go out and evangelize the world. We read in Revelation about angels flying around preaching the gospel. We read about these two witnesses that are going to show up in a few chapters from now and preach the gospel to the entire world until they are killed. Um, So we see those and we know that they are evangelizing, but we're never told the 144,000 are. And I was so thankful that this brother that I look up to, that I have a lot of respect for, just throughout that this is his theory. And then he shared some passages why he thinks it might be. Um, And it might be. I don't know for sure, but I don't see it saying that. And then the reason I bring that up for you and I this morning, guys, is I want us to be very careful because it is easy to have some presuppositions about things when we come to the word of God. Um, And in that, we might miss things that are very obvious or add things in that we think because we hold to this doctrine or theology that, hey, it must be this way and the scripture must be alluding to that because that's what we believe. But if the scriptures don't clearly speak to it and actually say it, that's a very dangerous thing to do. So let's be careful in the study of God's scriptures. God does want us to search it out to study it, to show ourselves approved. And that's one thing I love about going through the scriptures with you guys, just verse by verse. There's safety in that. We're going to take our time slow, but it's good to study. And I want to encourage you guys to be those Bereans. Go back, study the scriptures. Um, And as we're taking this approach to Revelation, again, we want to take it literally. Um, And we're going to look today Uh, starting in verses 1 and 2 here in Revelation chapter 8. Throw it up on the screen. Um, We're looking at the seventh seal here, and from it comes the rest of the wrath of God, and it tells us in verse 1, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God And to them were given seven trumpets. So in the form of seven trumpets that we see in verse 2 there, guys, um, now the seven bowls, okay, are going to, and the seven bowls that we find in chapter 7, or chapter 16, sorry. But anyways, they get more progressive. They get more severe as the judgments come from God. So each one of these trumpets really intensifies and then the bulls guys are even worse which uh we'll get into lord willing um thursday night we've been doing a new believers class it's been good and we were just considering um the scriptures and prayer this last week and uh just throw out a few helps uh that is good for us as believers when it comes to studying the scriptures and having a good commentary is uh one of them I think I mentioned before, I have way too many commentaries on the book of Revelation. Uh, But a guy that is, uh, I catch every once in a while on the radio, uh, Vernon McGee, um, 
old, he's home with the Lord. But Southern draw, you guys may have caught him. But he was one of the first guys that was on the radio just verse by verse teaching. And I haven't read him in a while. So I grabbed his commentary uh, and I've been reading through just for fun. Um, I, I enjoy him. And a lot of the guys that I do like listening to, uh, different preachers, uh, I, I've caught some of the things that they've grabbed and shared came from Vernon McGee, which is pretty cool. Uh, but when it comes to chapter eight here, he says, when he opened up the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Uh, Vernon threw out there that this was a proof text that men get to heaven before women do. I don't know if you laughed or not because nobody's in the room with me. Um yeah, he wasn't really being sexist there. He was just making a joke. But I thought about that reality of just how eerie, okay, that lull in heaven. I don't know if you guys, like a storm coming, okay? Uh, we always hear about that calm before the storm. And we read here, okay, as these seals are being finished up, now come these trumpet judgments. They're getting worse um, and there's this silence for half an hour. Like, what's going to happen? Okay, I could hear a pin drop right now. What's about to happen? So you guys kind of get what's going on in heaven here. So the implications for you and I, guys, is how bad must sin be before God? I mean, we're studying here the book of Revelation, the great tribulation. How bad must sin be in order for God to get to this point? Because we read the scriptures. God loves his creation. He so loved the world that he was willing to give his only begotten son. He loves us, guys. But that he would give his son. How loving. It shows the holiness. It shows the righteousness of God. It shows the kindness of God that he saves sinners. And guys, we rejoice in that fact. We rejoice in our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he is good. So the severity of um, the seventh seal here, guys, is God's righteous judgment will be such that it will be revealed. Um, it stuns heaven to silence. There's a lull before the storm. So there has been much noise going on. If you catch what we've read up to this point with the different seals, a lot of noises uh, in these visions. And when these judgments become visible in the, in the scroll here, there's a solemn silence, the speechless awe. Okay, So heaven generally is considered to be outside of time, uh, space continuum, right? Um, eternal and I think it's crazy that hey these are very specific it's three and a half year period of time the great tribulation is going to be okay it's over seven years total but all the crazy wrath is poured out in a three and a half period of time um, but John here who's seeing this vision there's time in heaven so I think about even that fact how much more eerie that had to be and for a long time this moment of silence so can you imagine the intensity of this moment god's wrath it is a terrible thing so what is absent from this scene i think that's a question that you and i need to ask 
Um, and the answer is any objections whatsoever. Okay. God is just, he is fair. No one is coming and saying, Hey, stop Lord. This isn't right. This isn't fair. How could you don't No. this is exactly what we deserve. I look at what's going on in the world today and I ask God, why haven't you come already? I know that we are deserving of his wrath. We deserve hell, guys. We rebel against God. I mean, everything in this life, we are all about ourselves. We want to be our own king, our own gods. And we are willing to believe whatever lie to be able to continue to live in our sin and do whatever we want. So creation, guys, is silent um, in the face of God's justice before the lamb. He, in verse 1 here, uh, God is shown to be righteous in his judgments. Okay, nature of sin is revealed. So what can be said in the face of justice when mercy is being extended? Think about that. What can we say <laughs> when there is this great mercy that, is, that God is handing freely to mankind? So who are we to argue with the lion and the lamb, the lamb that was slain, for the sins of the world. We can't argue. So what is not absent from this scene? Well, the believer's prayers. Okay. Um, we see the silence there. Um, uh, but the justice and for what was vanishing um, of sin is a tragic result of what's going on. And I want to look at verses 3 to 5 with you. Uh, because this is where we see the prayers of the saints. Verse 3, then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. In smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes. Um, so from the cries throughout the centuries, from Israel for the deliverance. I mean, they were enslaved there in Egypt. To Christ's cries from the cross when he was being crucified to the martyrs and their cries for justice this isn't fair they're killing us we're being persecuted to the cries when they're suffering the effects of the tragedy of just sin in the world um, for ours and others i mean there's so many cries that have gone before uh, the throne of god there our cries of sin to be defeated for satan to be destroyed for death to be dealt with in Christ's righteous rule for him to come and finally set things straight here on earth. Uh, a parable that we find in Luke um, chapter 18. Here it is. Uh, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them. This is Jesus sharing this story to come and make a point. It says that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying there was in a certain city a judge 
who did not fear God nor regard man, nor there was a widow in the city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me and for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? On the earth. So, a parable by contrast here, guys. God is just and he will deliver justice. So, hold on, dear saint. Through the ages, your prayers have been heard and are precious to God. Justice and judgment, they're going to be rendered. Sin is going to be dealt with. And evil will not carry the day. So let's take a look at our first trumpet together. In verse 7 of Revelation 8, the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So hail and fire being mixed with blood are thrown to the earth. And I want to be very clear here, guys, um, that this is from heaven. It is an act of God. Okay. Also, I think of Sodom and Gomorrah. There is Pharaoh in Egypt. There's Gog and Magog, the wicked in general. I want to share with you guys just a few scripture references to these in Genesis 19:24 then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on God from Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens when it came to Pharaoh there in Egypt we read in Exodus 9 verse 24 to 25 so there was hail and fire mingled with hail so very heavy that there was none like it in all of the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. And then we have Gog and Magog. This is yet future. You guys should get familiar with Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, 39. Anyways, uh, we're told here in verses 22 to 23, I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him and his troops and on the many peoples who are with him. Flooding rain, great hailstone, fire and brimstone, Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And then just speaking to the sinner, the wicked person in general, in Psalm 11, verses 6 and 7 here, 
It says, upon the wicked, I will rain coals. Fire and brimstone in burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. So of these instances, guys, um, God is acting justly here. And he will be in the end um, <laughs> the one that judges. He judged Sodom and Gomorrah, Pharaoh there in Egypt. He was hardening his heart <laughs> to the Lord. Um, these actually happened, literally. Okay, um, Some people look at these, uh, these trumpet judgments um, and they, they say that, hey, God's going to use... Um, nuclear winter warfare um, to make this happen. Uh, I'm not saying he can't do that. There's definitely the uh, nukes in the world for that to happen. And what we're going to read here is results of these trumpets. But we see throughout the Bible that God from heaven is the one who did these things. Uh, so when I read this, I want to be very careful. And I always want to go back to the literal could I be wrong? Absolutely. Uh, but I think God is the one here who's going to do this. So the results um, of the first trumpet here uh, is a partial devastation. Okay, God uh, is acting justly here, but he's also acting with mercy. And did you guys catch there? I underlined it. A third of the earth in trees and all the green grass. Okay. So we're going to see this over and over again. Things progressively get worse. It unfolds over time. Uh, and it's very clear that some of these judgments uh, that have come before, they're warning judgments. Um, and God does that in his kindness, in his long suffering, really being patient, desiring all people to come to repentance. That is his heart here because they are limited in their effects. So he's leaving room for people to turn to him. And I want to throw out there, guys, I think Revelation is the best book in all of the Bible when it comes to uh, evangelizing. Some of you guys may be thinking, man, this is heavy duty stuff. Um, our kids are watching this with us on Sunday mornings. Good. I don't know if we grasp how important it is to understand the gospel um, and understanding it rightly. We need to understand the good news in light of the bad news because there is no good news without the bad news. The bad news is we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us have done this. And because of that, guys, we deserve death. We deserve eternal hell. But there is good news. And even in light of all this judgment and wrath taking place, we see the mercy of our God. Man, he is being gracious throughout the tribulation, still desiring to bring people to himself, that they would be saved, forgiven of their sin. So I want us to think about that as we consider um, just the book of Revelation, as we discussed even last week, okay, many do come to know Jesus during this time. They come to salvation. Every tongue, tribe, right? Um, and many don't. 
We see that in chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Also, it shows us that God is in complete control. That's one thing I love about this book. And that's something I'm hoping you're getting, whether you're young in the Lord or you're old in the Lord. Um, God is on the throne. He is sovereign over all, and he is in control, guys. Um, and he is measured. He is temperate. He's restrained. I have some people uh, have mentioned to me in the last couple of weeks, just, hey, how is, you know, is God doing this thing globally with the coronavirus? Is he allowing this? And if so, why is he doing that? Um, and it's easy for us to see a lot of excuses, but I look at things just in my own lifetime, very tragic things, okay? Um, I don't believe God's doing it. I believe that we're in a time, a dispensation of God's grace. I believe that God's not mocked. What we sow, we will reap. Okay, We have rebelled. We have sinned. Everything is fallen. Mankind is fallen and we're reaping the consequences of our sin. Okay, There's just that reality in life. But I do know that God does allow things and even the hard things in this life and how do i know that because the bible speaks so much about the different tribulations that we will have even for us as believers the bible says you will go through many tribulations in order to enter the kingdom of god we just go through it that's part of life but in my lifetime i have seen god use some of the most horrific things that have taken place upon the planet for his glory we see churches established and revivals happen as a result of it you know here in the states some people have asked uh you know do do you think this you know is affecting our nation like 9-11 did because in in the the falling of the twin towers back then uh there were people i mean churches exploded people for weeks were going to church and asking questions this horrible thing uh that took place thousands of people died there um is god doing the same thing now i think this is a totally different thing that we're facing today because it's not just affecting us here in the states it's affecting the world globally and i don't want to say that god's gonna do uh the same thing in the same ways he has in the past uh, i think he wants to do something new but what we do see and we don't know how this is all going to unfold, how long it's going to be, what the outcomes are actually going to uh, be. But we do know that God is at work. I see it personally here in my own backyard is uh, loving and serving people. God is meeting with people. He is saving people. People are stirred up. They're seeking him. And even within the church, as I talk with my pastor friends and brothers and sisters here at freedom there's some very unique things that god is establishing and doing in our hearts in our lives we're being confronted with some hard things god is uh forcing us to be stretched and to push through some things that we've kind of been okay with um and it's hard because we especially as christians we invite change we i shouldn't say we invite change we want change but if it actually means we have to actually change, then we don't really want to deal with it. You guys tracking with me? Does that make sense? I think we're good at that. Yeah, God, I want to see you doing a thing and doing a thing among our church and in my life. Change things, God. 
but just don't change me. No, I think God is doing something really unique right now. I don't know for sure, but it seems like he is definitely working in hearts and there's true change, transformation that is happening that might not otherwise happen. And if you're being stubborn um, and not allowing God to work in a way uh, through this time, um, stop grieving the Holy Spirit. God knows uh, what is best for us. He loves you. Uh, allow the process to happen. Yeah, it may hurt. It may be painful for a season, but God does a work through the struggle, guys. Um, and we can always look back. That's one thing I love about hindsight. God is good because we can always be tripping out about what's yet to come or be tripping out about the past. But what is God doing now? Because there's things that he's doing right now today that will affect our tomorrow. And I do believe if we're just in that place, surrendered, humbled, <laughs> broken before him, allowing him to do what he wants to do, because there is a purpose, guys. Okay, We are called. We're on a mission. He's doing things through us. Um, are we engaging in that? We Are we allowing him right now to do what he wants to do in and through us? But go on about that for a while. We need to finish up the study this morning. So a third of the pattern here reveals that these things will be divine acts. And we're going to see a third of a lot of things take place. I want to look with you guys at verses 8 and 9. It says, Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. So the last trumpet affected the land. This one is going to affect the sea. Okay, and we see the mountains burning with fire, and it's you know perhaps a metaphor here, right? We see the simile something like a great mountain. Okay, and we need to understand that John is just trying to describe here what he is seeing. That's why he says something like a mountain um so he's seen these pictures partial devastation a third blood died the ships so he's dealing with the land a third of the land think about that guys um if a third of the world land is burnt up just how that would affect i think about trees um i don't like trees they make messes but i know that they're needed. They protect us from storms. They protect us from flooding. There's just a lot. <laughs> and if a third of the world gets burned up, how will that really affect the whole? Well, it's going to affect the whole big time. And even the water here. Um, moving on to the next uh, trumpet here in verse 10. It says, Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and a third of the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many died from the water because it was made bitter. So here, guys, we are seeing the first trumpet affecting the land. Second, the sea. Now the third affects the fresh water on planet earth the source of life okay um 
that people have put their trust in uh, are being disrupted. Um, I think about the gifts of God that he's given, okay? When things are taken away, what ends up happening? Uh, we need to put our hope in our creator, not in creation, guys. Uh, and that's one thing I hope we're catching as we're going through Revelation. It is about Jesus. It is about uh, honoring him for who he is. He is our creator. Um, we really need to turn to him because he is the source of life. He came to give life and life abundantly. You want eternal life? It's in Jesus Christ. He is the source of true life. Yet we trip out on creation. Oh man, they're closing up our manufacturers that are, you know, putting out our meat. What's going to happen? Are we going to have enough food to live? What if the water goes bad? We have all this stuff. We're depending on the creation rather than uh, the source which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, the description here, fresh water points us to living water, okay? Um, you'll never thirst again. Um, I think about this wormwood. Uh, here, if we go back, uh, we see wormwood come up here. And again, uh, people made some really good cases to liken these trumpet judgments to nuclear war. Um, and it, if there's one thing that kind of <laughs> points me anywhere to maybe that could be the case here with the trumpet judgments, um, wormwood in Russian is uh, the word Chernobyl. Uh, and we know uh, Chernobyl took place back, I think it was in 86, um, a nuclear plant there meltdown ended up, uh, it was the Soviet Union then, now Ukraine, but it affected over 200 million people, okay? Just this one little site in the world, and I don't know if you guys know, but the world is full of nuclear um, plants and missiles all over. Anyways, we could blow the world up multiple times over. I'm not saying that to scare you because that's not how it's going to happen, Um how do I know that? Because the Bible tells us. Anyways, uh, the point is Chernobyl means wormwood. Uh, 300 million acres aren't going to be able to be used there for over 100 years. Just kind of crazy uh, to think about that. Uh, but when I read this, um, I always think about Jesus. Okay. Um, and we're told in Psalm 20. Two. It's that psalm that was written hundreds of years before the crucifixion, but it's describing our Lord being crucified, okay? He knew exactly how he was going to die. And he actually says there, am I not a worm? And I think about that, okay, as he's hanging on that tree. And as we consider this here, talking about a tree being thrown into the springs of water that were bitter, okay? And in our lives, guys, without the cross, even though that was a bitter thing for our Savior, uh, to do on our behalf, to hang there for the sins of the world, that your sin could be forgiven by the shedding of his blood. As he hung on that cross, that tree, uh, and calls himself a worm there, he became sin for us. Do you guys know that? He became a worm. He became sin. Um, and we could become the righteousness of God. And that word bitter there is mara, okay? Um, and we see that tree back in Exodus 15, uh, becomes sweet there. And I think about the cross, the tree, uh, when that is 
thrown in the mix that becomes a sweet thing for you and I, guys. So I want to encourage you to work on uh, the work that Jesus did on the cross. Um, we're going to be able to drink that bitter <laughs> water uh, because, you know, whatever, you know, tribulation we go through or even this future tribulation, man, Jesus can make it sweet. And that's what he's done, man. And I hope you enjoy um, enjoy your salvation, that you're enjoying your Savior in such a way. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? I sure hope so. Um, anyways, we got, we got a couple more trumpets. Well, actually, just one more to get through this morning. We, we don't have time to get into chapter 9. If you want to go through all the trumpets together, you can jump on uh, our Vimeo site online. Um, I did a study of 8 and 9 together. Uh, very well done. Very different than what we're going through this morning. So uh, let's take a look uh, real quick. Um, verse 10. We didn't look at verse, did we? I'm sorry. Verse 10 and 11. There we go. I'll throw it here up on the screen. It says, then the third angel sounded. Okay, this is the third trumpet. And a great star from heaven fell, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs, and the name was Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died, and the waters became, or because it was made bitter. Okay, um, so that makes me think, I want to share Jeremiah with you. Chapter 9, verse 13, the Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to their dictates of their own hearts, and after the bales, which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood, and give them the water of gall to drink. So we actually see this come up eight times where it talks about wormwood, um, this gall to drink in the scriptures. I thought that was kind of cool. But again, that bitterness. And the bitterness is the bitterness of idolatry. Uh, we really just need to knock it off. Uh, we are really good at putting things before God. Um, he's given us things in this life to enjoy but not to worship god alone is to be worship so if you're worshiping a girl a guy um your family your kids um above the <laughs> we don't worship them we worship god okay he blesses us with things man if you worship the packers you need to just stop watching the nfl okay uh, i enjoy the packers and it is a a place of struggle for a lot of people. Why? Because that's what we've been created to do is to worship. And if we're not worshiping the only one who is to be worshipped, our creator, you're going to worship something. So you can name it. You know, what idols do we struggle with? And I think it's good to name them because then we recognize them and then we can deal with them. And don't let our dictates of our own heart tell us what to do. Our hearts are wicked. They are deceitful we need to look to god because there's sin rebellion idolatry they create bitter tech you know, uh, just a bitterness in our lives uh, and we need a sweet savior 
All right, last trumpet, fourth one, look here. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, and that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. So effects from heaven, comet judgment language, we find them in the prophets, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Ezekiel. I'd like to share with you Ezekiel 32, verses 7 and 8. It says, When I put out your light, I will cover the heavens and make the stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light. All the bright lights of heaven I will make dark over you, and bring darkness upon your land, says the Lord God. And Jesus also spoke this in Luke 21, verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of the nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from the fear of the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power in great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So these sorts of things, they precede his coming. Okay, It really should cause the world to look up. What's going on right now globally should cause the world to look up. But what are we doing? Man, we're looking to one another for the answers. Okay? And none of us have the same answers. There's so many things that are unknown and we're placing our hope in a vaccination or our scientists or whatever, uh, our wisdom. And I, I hope things do come that are going to help. Uh, but we need to look up, guys. It's Jesus uh, he is the answer, and it's sad, you know, what is it going to take for this world to finally find themselves broken on their knees, that they're willing to look up? Um, Jesus is a light, okay? We consider darkness. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to share this with you guys, a uh, picture that my family took last summer. If you've ever gone out west, we were out in Montana, and on the way there, we stopped in South Dakota at the Wind Cave National Park there. Um, and let me tell you what, uh, it's biggest cave supposedly in the world. I had no idea. Like I knew they had caves out there. I had no idea how big they were. I didn't know I was going to get into an elevator with my family, the fastest one I've ever been in my life. And whoosh, uh, they took us down a couple hundred feet. Um, but just the reality of just the darkness um, and considering outer darkness, we know that's what Jesus said hell was going to be like. Um, and we trip out, you know, about the tribulation, man, this is going to be bad or what we're facing right now uh, in this world, man, this is bad. Uh, reality is, guys, hell is bad. And unless you have right relationship with God, You've been forgiven of your sins. Uh, you put your faith in Christ and Christ alone. Uh, you're going to end up in hell. 
you will see the most marvelous light of your entire life. You will stand before your maker one day. And if you are not right with him, if you are not forgiven of your sins, if Jesus is not your savior, your creator, Jesus is going to say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. And you're going to be cast into hell, gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. And we were told when we took that tour of the caves, uh, well lit, okay, they made nice little paths. We had to duck down, crawl through a little bit, uh, but it, it was really cool. I was taken back just the, you know, what was going on underneath the earth. And then they bring you to the spot where they turn off the lights, outer darkness. Um, yeah, talk about an eerie feeling. Uh, starting, I mean, they just did it for a little moment um, in just the absence of light, okay? Uh, crazy. Even, I couldn't even see my hand. The motion <laughs> right in front of my, couldn't even perceive that my hand was right there. Um, and they, they mentioned if a person was just down there uh, for a couple weeks, just two weeks in outer darkness, they would be forever insane as a result of the torment and just what it would do uh, to the brain. And I think about the reality of how many people are going to be in hell for all time, just the eternal torment, that outer darkness. Um, God loves us. He doesn't want us to go. He doesn't want us to be there. That's what we deserve. Um, and in his love, guys, he's made a way out. And I'm so thankful for his mercy. Uh, I want to take another look um, at verse 13 uh, here. Let's look chapter 8 of Revelation again. And I looked and I heard an angel flying throughout the mist of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Think about the merciful call from heaven here, guys. One of the angelic creatures from chapter 4, um, the fourth creature was flying about like a flying eagle. We read that in chapter 4, verse 7. But there's another warning amidst the warnings here. I want to look at Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tongue, or tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. So both of these are very gracious, supernatural uh, acts of God that call people to repentance. God's calling you to repentance today. In his grace, guys, we have this great opportunity to turn to him. We have the church proclaiming the good news. We are missionaries. We go and we share uh, our faith. We share the gospel. We share with people that they need to turn to him, to worship him. Judgment is coming. Um I know we put a lot of emphasis on hope. Yeah, things are bad in this life. We need hope. And we preach the gospel because Jesus is the only hope. We're to hope 
in God. But the reality is, guys, this is not as bad as it gets. Hell is bad. It is eternal. Um, and judgment is coming. So I see God in his grace. He's wanting people to be saved here. God has shown both to be just and merciful. I hope you're catching that as we're going through Revelation. Um, but if mercy is refused, then there's only just justice. You guys get that. And that's why we can't reject Christ. And we have a world that is Christ rejecting. That's why we need to be praying. That's why we need to be sharing. That's why we need to get over our stupidity. There's so much fighting you know, within the church among brothers and sisters. Guys, the time is short. We need to be on mission. There are people going to hell in a handbasket every moment of every day. People are dying without Christ. Who cares if people are dying from the coronavirus? People are dying and going to be eternally separated from God. So the people know these things are from God. We saw that in chapter 6. You can look at verses 16 and 17. We know for sure they're from God. They refuse to respond rightly. And this is pretty intense here. So what about you today? What is God doing in your life? What is Jesus saying to you? What is he calling you from or to? Are you listening to him? I want to close with one passage of scripture from Hebrews chapter 3. This is from the New Living Translation. We'll look at verses 7 to 15. You can follow along on the screen. The Holy Spirit says today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did in the, when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There, your ancestors tested and they tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. I hope you're encouraged in that today. Messages like this aren't always easy to preach, to teach. But they are most needed. They're not popular. People don't want to hear the truth. But I love you guys. I want us to live in reality, in truth. His word is truth. Jesus is reality, guys. So let's keep looking to him. Let's keep trusting and obeying, believing, guys. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's walk worthy of our callings, guys. 
Let us walk in love. Let's walk in light to walk in unity. I want to encourage you guys, um, if you haven't come to a saving faith in Christ, do that today. Get on your knees. Cry out to God to save you. He will. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself. It is a gift, that grace of God, what he did on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. It's a gift. And if you put your faith in Christ, you will be saved. Guys, he calls us to turn from our sin and to turn to him. That's why repentance is needed. That's why repentance is beautiful. And if you choose to repent today from your sin and put your faith in Christ, I would love to hear from you. You can go to our website at cometofreedom.com and at the bottom, there's a place to leave messages. And you can put in there, I put my faith in Jesus today. I would love to connect with you, to pray with you, to encourage you in the Lord. Also, uh, we've been doing a midweek study. I don't know if you guys have caught that online. Uh, we've been going through the book of Daniel that actually is a key to understanding Revelation. And we're going to be starting chapter 2 uh, this next week. We're going to be looking at Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Daniel uh, was gifted from the Lord in visions and dreams. And we're going to consider the rise and the fall of empires that didn't even exist yet, that came into power and how they were destroyed. Uh, God prophesied all those things before any of it happened. Um, and it's so neat to be able to look into what that means for us today and even end time things because Daniel actually was given uh, visions and prophecy concerning uh, last day events. So if you want to join us, Lord willing, it will be 7 a.m., uh, this uh, coming week on our Facebook page. Uh, maybe we'll try to figure out a way to get it up on YouTube at the same time. Um, and also, I uh, want to consider with you guys, we're still uh, doing life here at Freedom Fellowship. Uh, we're still serving the Lord in many ways. Um, it is a blessing to be a giver because that is who our God is. He's a giver by nature. Uh, I think it's one of the most freeing things for us as believers uh, to be generous, but it's just good to, uh, to tithe, to give our offerings. If you want to do that, you can send a check into the church or go on our website and give there. Again, God loves that cheerful giver. Um, and I think it's just a good um, practice of obedience unto our Lord. So you can give that way. Um, yeah, I have other thoughts, but... Um, I want to I want to close our time uh, this morning. I think there's a lot for us to uh, commit to the Lord. A lot of things that I hope that you're open to uh, seeking the Lord on and allowing His Holy Spirit uh, just to speak to you, um, to meet with you, and to allow Him to deepen those things from His Word uh, that we're learning here. So, if you would bow your head once more, we'll wrap up our our time here in prayer together. So, Father, thank you so much. Uh, for uh, your word here this morning. God, you've definitely spoken to my heart, and I know you have to others, because your word, it is alive, it doesn't return void. And it is true. God, we need you. We need to rightly worship you. We need to rightly uh, 
honor you and to have relationship with you. And we are so grateful, so grateful that you've done it for us, God, through your son, Jesus. You've conquered sin, death, and hell. You've set us free. And we're free today in you, Lord, to love you, to know you, to walk with you, to be about your business. We thank you so much, Father, for your mercy. We thank you that you're just. I don't think any of us, if we were logical or real with you or ourselves, would want an unjust God. Lord, but you are fair. You do what is right. You're a good judge. God, we know what we deserve. And yet in your love and your compassion towards us, Lord, the reality of what the gospel encompasses, you are willing to lay down your life for us. We thank you for that, Jesus. We remember. God, help us to live in that reality and that truth. Always being mindful of you and your sacrifice, your goodness, your life, all that you've done, all that you're doing. God, we know this life is short. It's but a vapor. Help us, Lord, to make the most of it, to do those things that you're calling us to. There's much that we can be doing, that we can be up to. We know one thing's really needed, Father, and it's good to have these times when we're at your feet where we can hear from you. But you've told us to be doers of your word too, and not, not just hearers. So you've called us to much. Help us, Lord. Strengthen us to do those things that you're asking of us. For your glory, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you guys. Be encouraged. You've got an awesome God doing awesome things. Uh, until next time, God bless you. Lord willing, see you Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. Have a great week, my brothers and sisters. God bless you, and thanks for listening to today's message. For more information on Freedom Fellowship Church or to hear other teachings, please visit our website, cometofreedom.com, or interact with us at facebook.com slash Church.